Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. The piñata exhibit at the Mingay closes later this month, but we took a closer look with piñata artist Diana Benavidez, here with all the details and some other parts of uh, arts and culture events this weekend is KPBS arts producer and editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, welcome. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you. So this is an exhibit about the humble piñata. Uh, what do we know? So it's actually one of the first ever exhibits that's dedicated to piñatas, uh, and it debuted in 2021 at the Craft in America Center in Los Angeles, and now it's here at the Mingue. It's been here since the fall. It's all Latinx artists, and there's a huge range. Um, there's some wearable ones. There's fancy versions of traditional piñatas, some that look super detailed. Some of them are even political. Wow, it sounds very intricate. Tell us about Diana Benavidez and some of her piñatas. So yeah, I had Diana Benavidez show me around this week, and we stopped at one of her piñatas. There's two gigantic shoes, these sporty green sneakers. They have bright red laces and then text across the toes in Spanish that roughly translates to it's too late to be out alone. Um, these are so big, these shoes. They're incredible. And I, I asked her what's going on with this piñata. So this is a piece uh, called is Muy Noche para Andar Sola, which translates into it's, it's very late to be out at night. And that's usually a phrase that we'll hear from your, your mom or an adult um, when you're maybe a teenager. And it comes with, you know, that sense of like you as a woman, you have to be vigilant about your surroundings. But it also talks about like these rituals that women adopt in order to, you know, navigate public spaces. That is so relatable. I mean, I, I remember getting that talk from my mom, my grandma, even my dad about just being vigilant mm -hmm. uh, when out in public, kind of keeping your head on a swivel all the time. Yeah, and right next to it is this like set of keys. It's a gigantic set of keys. And she specifically said that it was her mother who taught her how to, how to hold her keys to defend herself mm -hmm. if, if needed. And I mean, that is an experience that's unique for women, for females, and that we have to be so mindful of how we move about in public spaces as to where men uh, maybe don't have to worry about that, like in the same way that women do. Right, exactly. It's all about these little rituals that, that women have to develop and pass on to their friends or their daughters. And Diana Benavides is also navigating these spaces across the border. And that also plays into our work, too. 
I mean, she's bringing a lot of issues to the forefront there. Uh, and of course, the, these are not the type of pinatas you'll find in a party store. So, uh, you know, why does she devote her art to this particular format? So I asked her about this, and it really is wrapped up in her identity as someone who grew up in Tijuana and Chula Vista, and, and it's wrapped up in those party stores. I recently spoke with Diana about, about her upbringing, but also about how the museum just bought a couple of her piñatas for their permanent collection. So here's that interview. Yeah, I think it all started when I was around 12 years old. I lived in Tijuana. Um, my first job was at a Mexican candy place where they sold piñatas, they made and sold piñatas. And that's when I kind of had my first intro to piñata making. And after learning how much time, effort, uh, materials went to these sculptures that essentially were just meant to be broken, it kind of just made me feel like there's more that we could do with piñatas. I don't know, I just start to think about things that represent my identity and maybe things that I could also afford material-wise. And I think that's when I started to bring that, you know, piñata making into my art practice. And just, I made a few of them over one summer. And from there, I just, you know, that was back in 2015. And I've been making them nonstop since then. When you were talking about how you were drawn to this idea that so much time was put into them and they were made to be destroyed. Is there something, regardless of whether it's being made to be used as a pinata or as a piece of art, is there something meditative about that process? Like why would people do this? Yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's always being a very relaxing craft. There's like a balance that you find with pinata making, I feel like you have to be able to have the strength and, you know, be able to work this tough material like cardboard where you have to bend and cut. For me, it's a moment where I, I'm impulsive when I'm building those, the, the structure at least. But when it's like cutting it and adding the tissue paper, I think that's when I have to relax and channel more of like that meditative state in, in that process. So when you say you approach your your art making as as a storyteller, mm-hmm. um, is that something you you think about filling the pinata with when you're not filling it with candy or toys? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I also fill it up with like with questions and like confusion by the audience because there's like when they approach a pinata, that's the immediate question. It's like what's inside. In my case. There isn't like an object stored in there. There are more stories and and personal narratives, which kind of takes the piñata into that more conceptual uh, approach. But yeah, I feel like um, it's it's one of those things that people are starting to see the piñata as that object that you know it's it's a sculpture and it's not just the thing you see in the party and you break. And I think it's been lovely to see that evolution. Can you talk a little bit about your use of political messages and things like that? Yeah, I feel that, you know, the piñata by nature is an, a violent object. There's violence and joy when it comes to the piñata. The joy of seeing a, a beautifully crafted uh, superhero or colorful uh, character that ends up being beaten up <laughs> and destroyed. Um, I feel like that connection goes 
in my artwork by telling those difficult topics in the way that people associate piñatas in a, you know, like I said, a joyful way. So they're not intimidated to approach the piñata. Once they approach the piñata and they realize the, the theme behind that piñata is when there's like this sense of contemplating the message behind it and generating dialogue out of that. So for me, to me, it makes sense to be able to tell political messages through the piñatas or tell tough stories about anything being this militarized border and being a woman and having to navigate both, I think it's it's kind of like a good way to ease in an audience and then, like I mentioned, create dialogue and maybe even empathy for, for others. So right now we are surrounded by dozens of pinatas in a museum. Mm-hmm. Is this something you ever anticipated seeing, uh, pinatas in a museum space like this? I, I don't... I don't think I ever thought, I mean, I feel like it would happen, you know, eventually, but this exhibition makes it very special because I get to share it with other artists who have been, you know, developing this new medium in a way, you know, in a way I I think we all consider ourselves uh, pioneers of making piñata art. Um, Before that, it was probably a few of us, like, you know, different parts of the country, but this show brought us together. And not only that, but we're able to understand each other's processes, what what other stories they got to tell, and, you know, appreciate each other as artists, as part of this community, and also giving that voice to, like, a group of, of you know, craft people that have never been recognized, that their work has been undervalued, underpaid. You know, we see piñatas at Walmart, at Target, and all those, you know, big chain stores. And I think that, or at least I hope that with having this exhibition with this many piñatas and artists, that we can maybe promote buying from local piñata makers who have been doing this for many generations, who brought their craft from Mexico or from other parts of South America or Central America. You know, I think it's it's been a beautiful opportunity in that sense. So piñatas are made to be destroyed. And the Minge has just acquired two of your pieces for their mm-hmm. permanent collection. What does that mean for you to take these objects into a museum's permanent collection? Well, it's an honor. I never thought a piñata would ever be part of a museum permanent collection. But also it's been like part of this like hilarious dream that I've had since I was 12 where I, I wanted to save piñatas and I wanted to find a way to like preserve them forever and and this is like basically accomplishing that you know it's like these two pieces are going to live on forever but also as I was you know researching like you know how many you know institutions have piñatas and unfortunately not that many um, they have paper mache objects but it's really nice to see that finally there's going to be representation for piñatas. And I think that piñata makers, you know, traditional piñata makers are going to feel that sense of honor that their artwork, their craft has been represented through a museum's collection. That was Diana Benavidez, piñata artist whose work you can see in the group exhibition Piñatas, the High Art of Celebration at the Mingay through the end of the month. 
This is KPBS Midday Edition. We're talking about arts and culture events this weekend, from Coachella to local exhibitions. Our guest is KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. So, Julia, this is a big weekend for music, and, you know, if you're up for a road trip, you can catch the first weekend of Coachella, which starts Friday. Uh, Whether you head out to the desert or watch it on the official live stream for a Coachella, which sounds good to me, (laughs) um, what are some of the highlights? So, uh, Bad Bunny. The K-pop group Blackpink and Frank Ocean, they're the headliners for each day. But a little further down the lineup, um, on Friday, actor Idris Elba will be doing a DJ set. Uh, there's Gorillas, FKJ, and the Desert Kawiya Bird Singers. They also performed last year, and they'll kind of kick things off and honor the land. On Saturday, there's Boy Genius, or Squirrel, and the Linda Lindas are totally on my radar. And on Sunday, Sudan Archives, Alex G, Wade's Blood, and Bjork, who will be playing with an orchestra, arrangements from the last 30 years. And side note, Uh, It wasn't 30 years ago, but I did see Bjork when she played at Coachella in 2002, so a long time ago, but she was incredible. It's also going to live stream um, all six stages of both weekends, so it's a little bit easier to stay hydrated from your couch. (laughs) So while we're out in the Coachella Valley for the festival, uh, the big outdoor art installations from Desert X are still on view, and I know you've seen these, so what can you tell us about them? Yeah, these are mostly in Palm Springs, Palm Desert, and Desert Hot Springs. Uh, There's a dozen artists. These are large-scale outdoor installations and huge sculptures. Uh, Some of the highlights for me are Matt Johnson's Sleeping Figure. It's made out of like a dozen full-size freight containers shaped like a a reclining figure. It's amazing. And you can walk right up to it. You can walk underneath it. And it's set against like San Jacinto with snow on it. There's also Torquasi Dyson's Liquid A Place. This is another standout for me. You can actually climb on this one. There's also a set of billboards of photography by Tyree Nichols, who was killed in police custody uh, in January. So I will add that there's a lot of driving and walking involved to see a lot of these, but they're they're really worth a look. All right. One more. There's a special pop-up of paintings by the late American artist Wayne Tebow, famous for those simple pie and ice cream paintings. Yeah, and there's actually one of those ice cream paintings that's going to be on view. It's at the Tassendi Gallery in La Jolla. It's a pop-up exhibition that was made in collaboration with the Peter Tebow Gallery in San Francisco. It'll only be here until the 22nd. And what I love about Tebow's art is the way that he captures these ordinary things, like that pie, like that ice cream. And there's about 10 or 11 pieces in the show, including some of his figurative pieces. There's landscapes, there's freeway scenes. And then one of my favorites, it's a very tiny painting called Four Sandwiches, and it's exactly what you think it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very, uh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go have lunch now. (laughs) 
Uh, we'll have details on all of these and more arts events at our website at kpbs.org arts. You can also sign up for Julia's weekly arts newsletter. I've been speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon Evans. Julia, thanks. Thank you, Jade. Have a good weekend. You too. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.